You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You're listening to episode number 67 of Living the Dream with Rory O'Malley. Audition side jobs, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hello, dreamers. Rory O'Malley here. Welcome to Living the Dream. Thank you so much for downloading this episode. If you enjoy Living the Dream, please write a review, rate us, tell your friends and family. Guys, I want to talk to you about something. Are you registered to vote? Are you? Are your friends? Is your former cast of Grease? We all have a former cast of Grease. Um, I am so excited to announce that I am working with Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, and an organization called When We All Vote. That is a voter registration organization that Lin-Manuel is one of the honorary chairs of. And we are getting the theater community to register to vote before the midterm elections this November 6th. So we're doing a uh, social media campaign called belt the vote in the theater community. We don't just rock the vote. We belt it. You can go to beltthevote.org and find out if you're registered to vote. Go register to vote, people. It is so important. Being a good theater artist means being a good citizen. Uh, my guest this week is a very, very good friend of mine who I've known from the early days of making it in this business. Um, we went to college together for a little bit. She was a senior when I was a freshman at Carnegie Mellon University. Her name's Beth Crosby. And we ended up in a play as soon as I graduated from school and moved out to Los Angeles. We were in a show together and kind of became lifelong friends because of our shared experience of going to college together and then having um, our, our, our first few years struggling in the business. We worked in the same restaurant. We we had a lot of um, hard times, but fun times together. You would know her from uh, her work with the Groundlings and characters who she's created, like Jessica and Hunter. She's Jessica. That's a they're YouTube stars. Uh, she's also been on a lot of television shows like Superstore, Life in Pieces, Speechless, Doctor Ken. Uh, she was on the Jonas Brothers show. Uh, she's done so much, and she's also done a ton of national commercials, which we get into because that's such a specific niche of our business, and I don't know that much about it. And I've had zero success with commercials. And I was so glad I got to sat down, sit down and talk with her, especially about waiting tables and working outside of the business. 
Recently, there was a news story that was put out, which was not news, about Jeffrey Owens from The Cosby Show working at Trader Joe's to support himself. And it was basically like how sad that this actor who was a a recurring actor on a television show in the 80s and early 90s had to work a job outside of the acting field. And I think the entire acting community kind of was shocked that people would shame someone for working in any capacity, but working to continue to survive in this business and to thrive in the world. Um, Jeffrey Owens put it best himself when he said that all work has value. And he spoke so eloquently about it. And Beth also tweeted... uh, her response. And I knew it was time to talk to Beth because she and I work together in a restaurant and know what it's like to, to be earning a paycheck somewhere other than where your passion is and how that's all part of the gig. That's all a part of becoming an actor professionally is finding ways to supplement your income on the way. So if you're listening to this, and you want to be an actor or an artist, and you are earning money through some other means other than your art form, keep going. Keep your head up high because there are plenty of people who absolutely will not do the hard work to get to what they love. And the hard work isn't working really hard on that scene. It's not working really hard on the audition. It's working really hard on your shift at the restaurant. It's working really hard staying after hours at the office for your temp job. It's incredibly hard to do that. And uh, if you don't have what it takes to do those things, you're not going to survive in this business because it's not a ladder we're climbing in this business. It's a roller coaster and there are lots of ups and downs. And if you don't have a strong enough will to find whatever means you can to keep yourself fed while you pursue your dream, you're not going to make it. Okay, that's that's uh, all I have to say about that. Um, Beth has wonderful points and um, I was so glad I got to talk with her. Here is my interview with Beth Crosby. Hi, Beth. Hi. Welcome to Living the Dream. I love it. I'm so excited to be here. I've wanted to have you on this podcast for a long, long time. A good week, at least. (laughs) A good couple days. No, since I started it. Since I started, because you are a friend of mine who was there the day I got to L.A., basically. Oh, L.A., After I graduated. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you... When I think back to the time of, like starting off in this business yeah i think of having you by my side oh i love that you know? I, I i feel the same way too actually we went to carnegie mellon yep uh at, at that same time where yeah. we were different years but was we i a senior a or were you a freshman and a fresh you were, you a, freshman? were a senior and i was i worshipped the ground no, but, you walked on but you were a freshman yeah okay yeah 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 you were okay. a senior i was a freshman and um you were just brilliant in everything you did there and you were a musical theater performer and I was still an actor when I got to to Carnegie Mellon yeah until Josh Groban Josh Groban okay I didn't know this actually about you I don't know how until I listened to your podcast do you know that I was an actor too 
When you got to Carnegie Mellon? Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I, I didn't know I, that. Yep. I auditioned. First of all, okay, should I just get right into get Carnegie Mellon audition story? <laughs> okay. First of all, I auditioned. I didn't go to Carnegie Mellon first. I went to NYU first. Right. I auditioned for Carnegie Mellon. Got fully rejected. Like, not only, th- like, wasn't even looked at at my audition. Wow. And... Uh, anyways, then got into NYU, went to NYU for a year, quickly realized after the first semester that it wasn't for me. (laughs) Uh, that's a whole nother story. Um, I love New York though. Like New York was incredible. Um, loved every second of it, but the school, I wasn't like thrilled. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to see if I can get in to a different school. So I'm like, I'll just fucking audition for Carnegie Mellon again. Cause why not? Yeah. And I was like, but I'm going to do it just as an actor this time. Cause maybe my voice wasn't so great at the time um i I wasn't super confident about my singing voice and so i auditioned uh for don wadsworth Uh and it went fine i guess and yeah i was in the dorm at nyu when i got my acceptance letter to carnegie mellon Wow. yeah and i remember i went to the whatever the dean or whatever of nyu uh to explain why i'm leaving and she was like she was like, where are you going? Why are you leaving? I'm like, I'm, well, I'm actually going to go to Carnegie Mellon. She was like, oh, okay, here. And then she just like signed it and was like, uh, <laughs> good idea. Go for it, basically. Wow. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so then I got as an actor and uh, the first couple of weeks, they were like, we have room. We for we just want to see if any of the actors want to be musical yeah. theater people. So me and Matt, yeah. Bo- Matt Bomer actually yeah. uh, sang. I sang I Don't Know How to Love Them from Jesus Christ Superstar. That was my like go-to. Wow. And yeah, I don't know. And then, and then you're like, oh, I'm in musical theater now. Yeah. You know, I have that same story, kind of. I didn't audition for any musical theater schools. But then when you I... You didn't w- at all any? No. Okay. And then when I went to... Um, I went to the audition in Chicago for Carnegie Mellon. And they said, oh, well, it says you can sing here too. Do you want to audition for a musical theater school? And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, I, I auditioned, I sang, and I thought I did okay. But then I had to dance and I couldn't dance at all okay and so I got my acceptance letter from Carnegie Mellon it was for just acting and I was like oh okay great you know it's like why I wanted to go there and so but then when I got there they did the same thing and they were like you you should everyone all the actors should audition yeah so I auditioned again okay same result they're like no oh my god they're like again no thank you for keeping you know pulling this little carrot dangling in front of me and confirming that I am not accepted into your program I get it yeah but I but I started studying privately with the uh, voice teacher there, Claudia Benack. Oh, Claudia, yeah. yeah. So I worked with her, and she just so happened to be teaching Josh Groban as well. So yeah. when Josh got his record deal <laughs> right. freshman year, uh-huh. and was like, yeah, I'm going to leave, sure. she said, like, I'm going to try to get you into the program. Oh, my God, that's great. Which was like a month and a half into the first semester. Yeah. So, yeah, it was crazy. Crazy. To, and also, like, I look at the, the meat of the mm-hmm. Carnegie Mellon experience as the acting experience. It's, 100%. It sets it apart from yeah. the programs. Yeah. The singing was just like you had, I think it was like two classes. Like yeah. you had singing lessons and right. then you had performance classes yeah, voice for lab. singing, which was voice lab. Yes. Oh my God. Where we all had to sing in front of each other all the different years. Terrifying. Still yeah. to this day, I, I don't think I've been more nervous to do really? anything. I mean, honestly, like, have you felt that way? I feel like I was so... I, well, I'm a person who doesn't like performing in front of people I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's much I, I mean, more I'll, scary. Yeah, I'll do it. And I've done it, of course. Yeah. But I'd rather not know who's in the audience. Yeah. I mean, I'll perform for a, 
a 5,000 seat theater. If right. I don't know any of these people, I mean, in and the dark, totally obviously you don't have to know who's not nervous you. at all. Exactly. Yeah. But doing like, anyways, no, was... and you would see all of your fellow classmates yep. watching you, you know, not judging you, but come on. <laughs> oh, please. Everyone's being judged. Oh, for sure. Well, we were just being judged nonstop. Yeah. Like at Carnegie Mellon. Yes. You know, it, you're under a microscope mm-hmm. and it's, it's very intense. So it's a mm-hmm. very bonding experience. And I yes. remember yeah. when I sang for the first time in voice lab, you came up to me and told me that I did a good job. I remember that. <clears throat> I remember that you moment. Do. I remember seeing you, Rory. Like, I remember there was like a kite situation where yes. you're singing about it was a the kite, kite song okay. from Charlie Brown. <laughs> you're a good man, Charlie Brown. Okay. Yeah. And I remember, because I remember all the freshmen coming in. And I like fully in. acted out the kite. Oh, fully. <laughs> like in my head, you were like flying a kite inside yeah. the rehearsal room. Yeah. And I remember, because I wanted to be really supportive of all the freshmen, because I just, I remember what it was like. Yeah. But Rory, you are special. You are special. You're a very special person to me to this day. Like I just remember seeing you because some of those freshmen, yeah, weren't. I mean, everyone was great, yeah. but you, they weren't as great as you. Like you were special to me, and you, mm-hmm. you, and I just like I don't know something about you. I just was like gravitated towards you. I was like, mm-hmm. I love him. He's incredible. He's insanely talented, and I want to like know this kid, and. um I don't know. I just, I remember that moment. Well, it meant a lot to me. Like, clearly it was not yesterday and I still remember <laughs> you giving me that compliment. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you're, I was so scared because I had, yeah. I had twice at that point been turned away from yeah. getting yeah. to sing with all of you. Yeah. So the fact that it was like, okay, let's give this guy a yeah. chance. And it was kind of pointed because it was clear to everyone that I was filling a spot and you know you know right. like alternate or something yeah so it took it was a lot of pressure in that a moment lot. to prove myself to people who i thought were just you know the most talented yeah. singer or actors yeah on the planet yeah um but it was it was a it was healthy experience in overall i think yeah. because everyone was really supportive of each other yeah. and, and students the student body really was like yeah. overall mm-hmm. we really took care of each other and yeah. continue to like I think so where you when you go through something that intense mm-hmm. you kind of become war buddies I was gonna for the say rest of your life. it's like going to war together yeah that Carnegie Mellon and then doing the Groundling Sunday Company for me were two yeah. very similar experiences in that it was like going to war yeah and the people I went with are like lifelong friends yeah. of mine even the ones that it's like even if you don't stay in touch with everyone I could call anybody up absolutely and they'd be like oh my god hi what's going on or like what do you need or how could I help you or you know what I mean oh yeah you just get each other on a level that I feel like yeah you don't with other some other people well we were we had another shared experience right out of when I got to (laughs) when I got to LA oh my god yes yes our our uh my first performance of anything outside of Carnegie Mellon was a show called Jesus Kid Brother that was your first performance yes I I had just gotten to LA I literally drove you went from Carnegie Mellon to LA Yes. What? Yes. Why didn't you go to New York? Because of Marianne Daniels. <laughs> oh, my, that's right. That's right. That's right. My manager. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So. Okay. Now it's that, all now we got to like let so, people yeah, in I on know. What, what we're talking about yeah. here. There's a lot of shared history. Yeah. As sorry, you can guys. Tell. Yeah. So I literally had planned on moving to New York. Yeah. After Carnegie Mellon. Sure. Uh, why not? Forever. Of I course. mean, that was, that was Same the Same with me. Same with yeah. me. Yeah. And then we did our showcase there and yeah. it was crickets. No one wanted to work with me. Yeah. No one wanted my headshot even. It was, it was yeah. as about as poorly yeah. 
as it could go. And, and, and to the point where a professor at Carnegie Mellon went up to my mom at graduation and said, I'm so sorry about <gasps> Rory's experience oh, in Showcase no. in New York. And I hadn't shared anything with my mom oh, about it. Oh, no. And she was like, what happened? Oh, no. No, I know. I was like, yeah. no, mom, it's fine. It's all good. Yeah. We're going to go to LA and I'm sure things will be better. Yeah. No pressure. Yeah. <sighs> so then I did with no plans to move there. Right. But I had one person, a manager. Yes. Yeah. Marianne Daniels. Yeah. God bless her. She saw it. She saw what uh, everyone saw else sees now. She also saw something in anyone who would work with her. Well, you know what? So God everyone's bless her. path she, is different. Yeah, she she worked with me. She was a manager. Yeah. And uh, she was special. She, she was special. Mm-hmm. And she she made phone calls for me. You know, like nobody else was going to pick up the phone for Rory O'Malley yeah. back then. Yeah. And so I'm very grateful for it. But one of the auditions she got me was yeah. for a 99 seat theater production, uh-huh. which means you don't get paid anything. No. Um, uh, it was called Jesus's Kid Brother. Mm-hmm. And it was a play about uh, Larry Christ. If Jesus had a brother, yeah. a younger brother named Larry. It was literally just about Jesus's kid brother. Literally. Like, like that what the, title the title is? Is what it was. Yes. Yeah. And I played like 12 roles and then the last one was i was jesus at, at the yes. end yes you've had a very long career playing different forms of jesus i, I feel like what like three different times I at ha- least i have i've done a lot of biblical characters biblical characters yes. yeah yes. on broadway yeah you've done one yes yeah M- moroni yeah yeah i remember because when i saw you in book of mormon I was not prepared to see you come out in that robe. Yeah. And I had full flashbacks of us being in that 99C yes. theater. Wearing. Be playing that character, essentially. Wearing robes yeah. and, and dresses. Yes. Lots and, of robes. Yes. Um, so we were in this show that was, it was before I was equity. Were you equity? Yeah, you were equity because you had yeah. worked a bunch at uh, Summerstock Theaters. Yeah. I got my equity card at Pittsburgh Civic Light Opera. Yeah. Yeah. When and I, was I never, I never got into any of those productions. To be fair, I'm pretty sure I only got in because I was dancing. Because I was a dancer. So. Yeah, but you were, I, well, you were, you were working yeah. like while you were in Carnegie Mellon. You yeah. Were, you were, there were some folks at CMU who were like, already professional actors in yeah. my mind and I just was not one of those oh. <laughs> I was like I think I mean I didn't become equity for a few years out of college I think but yeah. I was trying I was okay. trying very hard okay yeah um so we did the show and we did it we rehearsed for 8 weeks yeah that's we a, get paid by the way time. that is a so stupid long, long time to but rehearse but it's because it was night oh at night right we didn't right. rehearse during the day yeah. so we were rehearsing You're right. for 3 hours a night well everyone's doing their day jobs exactly cuz this didn't pay no so yeah yeah so we but it was with a really fun cast a really great group yeah. of people talented very talented I know. and um we took this show that like was you know who nobody thought anything of it really yeah. it was just going to be this show on santa monica boulevard right and it, we did it for the rest of the year it I was like from the it. summer until christmas so, so we long. kind of all bonded and yeah. and that was just like seal the deal for me and you i think yeah no, and we, we do. Like, yeah. Oh, we're be- we're buddies. We're, we're friends, buddies. Yeah. and we're in this together. Yes. And yeah, that yeah. was. And I, L.A. was still new to me because I don't know if you know. I left. Oh, I right. went to New York after Carnegie Mellon because right. I had. L.A. wasn't even an option, like in my right. brain. <clears throat> I loved like sitcoms. I loved comedy, but yeah. I was. I grew up dancing, and I was like dancing professionally, and I was like, I want to do Broadway. That's like, I don't care what it is. I just want to do theater and, and then had our showcase. New York was like, 
a dead zone for me. I had yeah. one, well, I had one agent that was interested. Um, and I, but I was really bummed about that. Then we went to LA. I had like written my monologue for LA showcase. I was like, fuck it. I was like, I don't want to go to LA and pl- I'll really? just do whatever. And I'm just, I don't care. And I'll just like, let's just try this one that I wrote. And it actually went really well. Yeah. And I still went to New York. I still was like, let me take this, you know, I like, Anyway, I still went to New York, and uh, my year in New York after I graduated college <laughs> was, like, the worst year of my life. Right. Like, it was awful. I got to New York. I did have an agent. I was auditioning um, for Broadway, which was, like, that was my dream, but I was so nervous. I don't think I was, like, I don't think I was quite ready yet. Like, you can be graduated from the best school and you know, have the best training. But if you don't have like the actual experience of auditioning with these people that are doing it, at least for me, I wasn't, I think I needed a good year or two to just like get my bearings. To to, to know who you are outside of the bubble of educational system. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And anyways, I moved to New York and started auditioning and, promptly broke my foot right yeah and which was as a dancer was like awful and you out of the game it took me out of the game and so I left for a little bit to go (laughs) heal my foot I came back to New York and I was like you know what my foot's fucking broken I can't be showing up to these auditions with crutches so (laughs) I mean I could have but that would have been crazy I I walked into my agent's office in crutches and they all were like uh, laughing and rolling their eyes at me oh and I was god. like oh my god what's happening and uh so I was like you know I'm, I've always wanted to do the groundlings I loved writing I loved comedy I started doing improv in New York uh, and really started to fall in love with it yeah. and I was like let me just go to LA for the summer and see you know just see what happens by then my foot will be healed and I'll like go back to New York fell in love with the groundlings fell yeah. in love with comedy the whole like comedy scene and still was going to go back to New York. Went back to New York and my apartment burned down. And then 9-11 happened. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I think I should maybe just like take give, take a break from New York. Right. It's kind of like the universe saying like, you sh- yeah, like yeah, you yeah. love LA, go to LA. So I went to LA and then I've just been in LA ever since. It's amazing. I, I knew, I remember all of the, this is all coming back to me. Yeah. This, all those stories of yeah. your New York experience. That's a lot. It's it is, a lot. Yeah, how I think that what's the hardest part when you're yeah. an artist is kind of having this dream mm-hmm. and then it doesn't happen in the way that you thought it was going to be right. or it completely changes mm-hmm. and it it's hard because when you're a kid and you're having these visions of being on Broadway mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden your dream changes and you mm-hmm. fall in love with the groundlings when you probably didn't even know what the groundlings was as a kid. So how yeah. could that be your dream? Yeah. How do you make that transition in your mind and, you, and in your heart really yeah. to say like, it's okay to change mm-hmm. what your passion is and to pursue this. I mean, I guess yeah. all of those things happening really helped. All of those things helped. Yeah. They really helped. Cause I don't know if I would have done it. Yeah. Like I think I would have, I think I would have pursued comedy and improv in New York at the time that Price Citizens Brigade was picking up. And I mean, I lived there. Like I was like, oh my God, this is in between going and doing like my 16 bars that no one was like paying attention to. Um, I was like, my outlet was like going to improv at a Price Citizens Brigade and all these different places. But it still was like, oh, and I'd always dreamed of like, 
like Saturday Night Live was always my favorite show growing up. And right. I don't know if you ever watched SCTV. Yeah. It's like, was my, as a kid, they played old reruns of that. And it was like, I watched that when I was like eight. Andrea so I, Martin, oh Martin my God. Short, yep. John Candy. All those geniuses. Yeah, Eugene Levy. And yeah, Eugene. So I was like, well, I'd always wanted that. But for some reason, I thought that just wasn't an option for me. I don't know. I just was like, I was why? a dancer. Why? Because you were a dancer. I think because I was a dancer and it just, those were different kinds of, different type of people. people. I don't know. Like, isn't it, but isn't it funny how like when you're a kid, you yeah. you feel like you've been set on a track? Yes. And I think we do it constantly. Like even now at yeah. our age, like you're like, oh no, I'm in this track. I, I couldn't can't possibly. do any of these other things. I know. How do you... How did you switch tracks? How did you make that jump? The just transition. the life circumstances or? It wasn't just that. It, well, first, I remember at Carnegie Mellon, we had a, um, a writing assignment like uh, in, in some drama class. It was the only time that actors were called upon to write because right. God forbid we have voice. try to be, yeah, have our own Say voice. Something. And, uh, and I, I'd written a monologue and I performed it and it had gotten a better response than anything I had right. done ever at Carnegie Mellon yeah. like and this is me oh and at the time and it was it was a comedy monologue and it was at the time where I was really trying to be a dramatic actress right. like I was trying to cry in every scene right. and I remember one time it was Don actually Don Wadsworth who was a, a teacher at our school right. like it was like a private meeting I was having with him and he was like you know I think you you really kind of have an eye for comedy and I was like devastated because huh. I just wanted to be a real dramatic actress right. i wanted to be carolee carmelo in parade yes. <laughs> like, i wanted to be like just belting and like dramatic and like yeah. sobbing while i'm belting <clears throat> and uh yeah and so what so i did i wrote this monologue i got a big response and i remember that feeling of like this is this feels really special to me and this is like a feeling i haven't had and it's very empowering and i feel i don't know you know when you have those moments on stage where you're like oh my god this is like a breakthrough moment for me kind yeah. of and um, so I had that moment, and then I promptly ignored it and <laughs> did the opposite. And uh, yeah, and then um, actually was seeing other people who had, had kind of made the transition before me. Mm. My friend, uh, a friend, Margie McGee, who's now a comedy writer out here in L.A., she's insanely talented. She was a dancer and a musical theater person that I had become friends with who just like packed it in and moved to L.A. and started writing at the Groundlings. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I think it was seeing someone else do that. Yeah. That gave me the courage to do it. And uh-huh. it still, it took years. Still to this day, I I have dreams of like going back and doing musical theater, which yeah. I, I've continued to do it. Yeah. Um, and what I was, what like I've, at the Groundlings, I tended to write like a lot of musical stuff. Yeah. Um, I love like musical improv. Um, so I think that part of you never goes away. And I think it can even enha- enhance that part. Like I'm sure your experience doing improv and has yeah. it, like has like it makes yeah it makes everything, everything else better. Yes, it's <clears throat> basically like going <clears throat> back to school, just yeah. being on a stage. Like I just did the Groundlings have a I know, uh, and you didn't tell me. I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> I'm so I mad. I know, but I just get no. So I get nervous. it. I get it. And then I kind of just pretend like it's not. I get happening. It. Yeah, but I know that I need to do it, that it's yeah. fun and, and great and they'll support me. But it's 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 the show where they have a guest and and you're improvising with the greatest improvisers in the world, the mm-hmm. Groundlings. And in the world, it's them and yeah. a Price Citizens Brigade yeah. and then like I don't even know who else. No, yeah. I mean it's and you and know Second City and that's the it. fact that they would 
let me on a stage with yeah. them is insanity. It's not it's insanity. insanity. Yeah. No, I mean it was. It's so much fun. And, yeah, it's amazing. And um, Mitch uh, Silpa, Silpa, yeah. and Edie Patterson were in in the show. Oh, so you know great. they like are so good yeah. at supporting whoever is yeah. the guest. Yeah. And making us look better. Yeah. Um, but it is like. It's like a crash course in all of the yeah. things that we need to remember as performers. I know. It really like jolts you alive to yeah. be like, this is what it means to be in the moment, mm-hmm. to to communicate with an audience literally in that second of whatever yeah. their thoughts are, you're giving, you're reflecting them right back to them. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's such an adrenaline rush and crazy. And I can only imagine when you are forming who you are as an artist to be getting that st- stimulation and have that be your community. Cause the comedy yeah. community out here in Los Angeles yeah. is basically the closest thing I see to the Broadway theater community in really? New York. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no really other group no. of people who kind of relate to each other in that way as mm-hmm. artists, you know, out here. It's true. It's true. I mean, you know, I've been in different acting schools out here in LA and you get community there, but it's, it's different. It's like yeah. you, cause it's, they're all different types of actors too. There's the dramatic person. There's right. the one who is, you know, is hilarious, but doesn't want to do improv. But when you're with other people who are straight up comedy people who want to get on stage and scare the shit out of themselves every right. night and jump off that edge yeah. to do improv, to expose themselves by writing, um, it's, I don't know, it's, it is a tribe. I think that is what attracted me, um, to the groundlings and to comedy is like that tribe, you yeah. know, for lack of a better word, sounds so yeah. cheesy, but like, I feel like I found like my people, you, you know what I mean? You did. Like, and I feel like you have too, like, cause I think of you as a musical theater performer, but I also think of you as like a comedy person who writes. And- well, the, the thing is, is that I, I have regret that I did not follow the path of Groundlings, UCB, or Second City, that I didn't do one of those because I love mm-hmm. it so much. Yeah. And I wish that I was, that because, you know, I can do it now, but yeah. it really is a, it's like a school. So you really yeah. do have to go through a lot of time there to yeah. kind of be a part of that group. You have to earn it. Sure. <clears throat> and I was actually enrolled in the Groundlings with Josh Gad. We were both taking class That's so there. crazy. I and I, <laughs> I think you guys turned out okay, we, though. I think did, you. yeah. But it's, you know, it would have been so awesome if I yeah. would have kept going. But the reason I left is because, one, I was working, like, two restaurant jobs. Yeah. And then um, I got a, a, a show with the Troubadour Theater Company here in Los Angeles. Yeah. That does musicals of pop music and Shakespeare and and. And they were exactly the right fit for me of, of my tribe. Exactly. Yeah. And definitely taught me how to be funny on a stage in a way that yeah. um, UCB or, or Groundlings would be. Um, but speaking of uh, waiting on tables and restaurants. Oh, my jobs, God, please. We also gotta talk about worked it. at the uh, Marmalade Cafe in oh the Grove, which was my second restaurant that I worked at in the Grove. I also worked at the Wood oh. Ranch when I first moved there. Wait. You worked at the Wood Ranch first and then yes. Marmalade? Yes. Oh. And then I got fired from the Wood Ranch. Why? Was, well, because I like did a... I Barely probably because I Yeah. Like, uh, that's where I was... I got a job there and then I got Jesus' kid brother. Right. Okay. And then I was like, I gotta go. 
uh, I think I have this great acting gig. And they were like, fine. And then I found out we don't get paid. And I was like, oh, actually, can I have more shifts? Yeah, yeah. And um, so I worked there for like almost a year. Okay. And then got something else. And they were like, this isn't working out. Right. And then you got me a job at the Marmalade Cafe. Well, that's right. And I, oh my God, Rory. I still have P- PTSD when I walk by right. there. Like I, there was I, a lot of great other no, there servers. There were great servers, yes. and I, I think I say PTSD just because for me, waiting tables was just really hard. Yeah, I mean, oh, I it's was a, terrible at it. Oh, I'm sure you were great. I don't remember if you were good or bad. No, but. I was terrible. <laughs> there was, a, I, I, I always tell this story. One of my first tables in that m- first month, there was. Um, Sorry. It's okay. Hold on a um, there was a gay couple and they were so mad at me because I didn't know what Chipotle mayonnaise was. I thought it was a brand. And I oh, was boy. like, I don't think we have that. And like, they were like, oh, you're no. an idiot. They left me, they left me a tip for one penny <gasps> and wrote on it, you suck. Oh my God. That's that how is I so started. awful. Yeah. At the Grove. So oh, yeah, no. I, I definitely have PTSD from my time because yeah. I was terrible. You were, and I also carried around. We had to like sell wine. Oh and I yeah, I didn't know anything about wine. I mean, I'm mm. you know like Milwaukee's best kind of drinker. <laughs> yeah, at the, no, you, you know, were yeah at the time more yeah, of a beer person. Exactly. There's no like, <laughs> no way was I yeah. gonna know what wine to pair with your meal. No, and. They were in the Grove, but they wanted to act like we were some kind of wine restaurant. Oh, God. I know. And I didn't know how to open a bottle of wine with a wine key. Oh. So I carried around the one with the big arms. Oh, no. Do you know the the, twist one? And then you push the arms down. Oh, God. I carried that in my apron. And I remember I just kept stabbing me. (laughs) The whole shit. Oh, my God. It It was bad. It was bad. I just remember waiting on a blind person who... First, gave me and pay, who a blind person who paid for his sand. First of all, I had to read the whole menu to him, which is fine. Uh-huh. But then he, he paid me in in um, coins in change to and didn't leave a tip, and that's all fine. Right. But it but it's just I remember one guy who was um, had to keep keep leaving to go smoke cigarettes, but also had an oxygen tank. Oh my god! And That's who was dangerous. it's dangerous and was in a rascal, you know those like yeah, automatic yeah. things. Who um, yelled at me because I he wanted me to cut his quesadilla, and I was like leaving the table and he grabbed my arm. And yeah, there's just so many of those stories of just yeah. I mean you're just. Waiting tables, like to this day, I'll tip. I tip like 25, 30%. Oh, I know. You have to. Oh, you yeah. have to. Yeah. No, I mean, but I look back at that time and, and many of the jobs that I had, because that was certainly not the last no. one Same. that give me the appreciation yeah. for any time I'm, I'm actually acting and getting paid for it. Oh, my God. I am just so grateful. Same. And, and so happy. Yes. And yes. I found that there are some people who don't have that gift of having to have worked in those situations. So when they are still at, when they are getting paid as an actor, they don't even feel it. I know. Um, There was recently the Jeffrey Owens situation. Oh my God. The actor from uh, the Cosby show. And he is, or was working in Trader Joe's and a, a, 
photo was taken of him mm-hmm. and put into publication, I think on like Fox news or something yeah. saying like, like garbage, yes, garbage saying like, Oh, look at this former, you know, TV star. Now he has to work at Trader Joe's. How sad. Ugh. And it was just such a, such a, uh, simple minded view of what it means to, and what it takes to be an actor yeah. in our business. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had a, you had a great, tweet about it and uh, uh, the, the entire acting community Everyone. really came to su- to support him. Yeah. Um what do you, what are your what were some of your jobs and how do you feel about that that work outside work? Right. Well, you know, when I saw, so I saw um that story come out before the community like really mm-hmm. came behind it. I saw it like right when it came out. Um and um, cause I spend too much time on social media, uh, while my daughter's take, uh, napping and I was devastated for him, devastated because I've been there, you've been there, yes. everyone's been there, everyone that I know has been there. Well, most of the people I know have been there and, and I felt bad for him, but I felt bad for myself too, right. because even to this day, um, if I ever have to do anything that's not acting that involves making money, I or up until recently, I have had a little bit of shame around it, I think, right. deep down. Yeah. And then I've had to like pull myself out of it, especially after having a baby. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, I have to provide for this person. Right. What matters is, you know, taking care of my family. Um, so I was really up to, I was like super bummed about it. And then once I saw the reaction from the community and um the acting community. Yeah. And then also people that aren't actors that came out, you know, people yeah. who are like, uh, my dad worked in a coal mine for fuck's sake. And he was the best man I knew. Right. Or like, you know, people that have regular jobs, God forbid, anyone's right. like working nine to five. It really inspired me and really made me proud of the time I had spent working, you know, yeah. and not to say, I mean, no one really wants to, I mean, it'd be great if we all were, you know, on the Big Bang Theory, right? <laughs> you know, and yeah. raking in six figures or seven figures constantly. But um, but the reality is like 97% of SAG actors like don't make, don't make their living acting, yeah. which is crazy. And, uh, and I don't think anyone gets it until you do it. No, I mean, people, to- I, people could have told us that at Carnegie Mellon and I would have been like, oh, that's sad for those 97% of Absolutely. people. I'm the 3% that yes. is never, ever going to have to experience yes. that. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, it's one, it's again, one of the reasons that I started this podcast yeah. is try to try to get young people to understand that 100% of us mm will be in that 97% mm-hmm. at some time. At some point. You you cannot decide to be an actor mm-hmm. and have finding other avenues and ways to ha- have income um, have be, be opposed to that. Like that yeah. is part of your art. It's yeah. part of f- finding your way as an artist is yeah. finding other ways to feed yourself Absolutely. while you continue to pursue your passion. Yeah. And I remember, I remember graduating and a friend of mine who was, had graduated with me was, um, was like, oh my God, I just ran into this guy who I know who's like a Tony, I think he was like a Tony nominee who, and he's like, oh, I asked him how he's doing. And he's like, oh, well, I just got my real estate license and I'm working on selling these things. And he, and my friend was like, isn't that 
so sad. And at the time, I remember being yeah. thinking like, oh my God, that's crazy. But now, I like actors, especially my age, who have kids who also have their real estate license or something else, I think are so fucking smart. Yes. Because even if you are on Big Bang Theory, great. But that is even going to end at some point. Yes. And like, good for you if you can make that carry you through till you die. But right. I, I always think having other ways to make money, no matter what kind of money you're making now yeah. is super smart. Yes. <clears throat> and it's not just about making money. It's no. the fact that like at some point it becomes about defining yourself as even more of just than just an actor. Right. As somebody who can like do stuff in the world. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. isn't just about being up on I a know. stage or in front of a camera, mm-hmm. like to be useful to society. To society. I know. To do something. <clears throat> well, and that I feel like has been like the biggest journey for, I feel like for me that, that especially the first few years out of school that I spent not making money as an actor, yeah. mostly making or making all my money doing side jobs and performing for free all over LA, which by the way, if you do theater in LA, you're mostly just doing it for free. Right. You know what I mean? Um, not to say that that, and it, they were incredible experiences, yeah. you know, but, um, but you're not really going to get paid. No. And, but that was such a huge lesson for me in learning that like, I am more than just an actor and mm-hmm. a, or a dancer, you yeah. know? And I think I hung so much of my identity on that and my self-worth on that, <clears throat> you know, like, yeah. and I think I still struggle to this day of like, Oh, if I'm not working or if I don't get this job, what does that mean about wh- who I am or my self-worth? Right. And thank God I, go to therapy. I do lots of things like to stay healthy as a person that I can pull myself out of that and be reminded. And especially having a kid has really changed my, um, thinking. Let's talk about that. So you, you have a beautiful little girl. I do. And, uh, I know that she's your everything. Yeah. And, and how much you wanted to have her yeah. and how happy she makes you. Yeah. But it definitely <clears throat> is, is, it's as for women, especially yeah. it affects your entire life, not just your career, but mm-hmm. your entire life. Mm-hmm. So how has that affected, um, your career and how do you feel about it? And how do you manage both of those things? Well, she's only two. So I'm still like, I feel like I'm still really in it. You know right. what I mean? Like in, my whole, like, the parenting bubble. Yeah. I feel like I'm just starting to come out yeah. of, like, the closet, the parenting yeah, closet, yeah. and, like, be a person. Um, but I think, like, the short version is um, it definitely has put into perspective, um, like, what um, what performing means to me. And mm-hmm. that, at the end of the day, it is an amazing creative outlet, but it also is a job. And it's not everything that I am. And I think before I had my daughter, even up until right before I had my daughter, even though I had like, feel like I had a healthy relationship with the business, I still could go to an audition and say it didn't go great and like spend the rest of the day obsessing over it or like beating myself up about it or um, like being super nervous before or just, you know, um, or comparing myself to other people or, um, and after having a kid, like, I don't fucking have time. Like I, I prepare, I'll like, she goes to bed at night. I'm exhausted, but I'll spend that time preparing the material, whatever I'll coach on it quickly. And then like the next morning I'm up with her, I'm getting her situated. I'm lucky 
if I get like a half an hour before my audition to like have any time to myself, I'll do the audition and then I'm done and I got to go right back to being a mom. And so that's, I don't have to have the time or the luxury to like spend like obsessing over stuff like that. And, um, you know, if an audition went shitty or if I didn't get this or if, you know, I just can turn off my phone and spend like a minute with her and I'm like, oh my God, this is what's important. Do you know what I mean? Like this is at least for me right now this is the most important thing to me you know mm-hmm. and there's more out there than you know I don't yeah know, booking it, it re- whatever commercial right it reprioritizes exactly yeah everything yeah and it does gives you that that identity that we was just laser beam focus on mm-hmm. beth crosby the actress right and now includes mom and yeah and wife, you you also have a husband who's in the business. He's a writer. Yeah. Uh, how is that? Uh, both being a part of the business. Yeah. How, is that? Do you see that as being a plus? What are the the downsides? <laughs> oh of boy. That as well? You know what? It's 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 good and it's difficult at the same yeah. time. It's good because you understand each other. Like we get that our schedule is like king. Do you know what yeah. I mean? In that like. Our schedule varies day to day. I don't mm. know what auditions I'm getting until the night before. You're yeah. lucky if you get your audition two days before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In Absolutely. LA, at least. Yeah. And <clears throat> um, and if you book a job, it could be like, oh, you shoot tomorrow or the next day. Right. And um, and same with him as a writer, as a director. Um, so we get that like, like he's leaving for Japan wow. on in two days for ten days. Oh wow! Yeah, and I. Uh, booked a thing that's going to shoot next week. And we, I just found that out. And so like, I was going to book out and not work at all those, those 10 days, but like, I want to do this job. So now we have to like figure out what do we do with our daughter? And so, well, Gerald and I are here. Oh, okay. So we'll talk about that. Okay. I love that. Okay, great. Um, but it's good because you both, and you both understand the ups and the downs of it, like of the business on the flip side. Um, we do have to turn it off at yeah. turn it off, which is your like, catchphrase. <laughs> you can say uh, it. I can't say it anymore. Well, yeah. Uh, when I when we get home at night, sometimes like sometimes we'll, we just have to say, you know what? Yeah. Let's not talk about the business right now. I just want to like be a person and talk to you about other things because yeah. you've got to you have to turn it off sometimes. Yeah. It can't be twenty four seven. I mean, it can, but. You go crazy. Particularly healthy. No, yeah. I mean that's one of the best parts about being with somebody who's not in the business. Yeah, is that he's like, shut up, shut the fuck Come up, back please. to reality. Right. None of this is important, and I'm tired of hearing you complain Ugh. about things that aren't real. Yeah, <laughs> and I want to say that to my husband sometimes, but yeah. I'll like gently say it to yeah. him, you know, because yeah. um, because I'm he has to, yeah. say, and he says that to me too, where yes. he's like, I can't hear about your Applebee's audition right. anymore or whatever, right, right. you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. it's, it's <clears throat> nice to have the, somebody who understands, but it's also like a trap because you can both feel like that's live in that bubble. Absolutely. But I feel like you guys have done such a great job of, of straddling that line and, and making sure that you are, are well balanced. And obviously yeah. your daughter has added so much to your life. Yeah, it's been, it's amazing. It's crazy though. I don't know how people do it. Like, uh, the show you're on, mm-hmm. the showrunner, um, Jamie, Jamie Denbo. Denbo. Yeah. I was just telling you, it's such an inspiration to me because yeah. she has two kids and she's show running the show. And that's like what I aspire to be. Like, I yeah. want to be that working mom, yeah. but I'm struggling. Cause like, 
when I go do work, I love it, but I hate being away from her at the same time. And it's like, I want to say yes to everything, but I also want to be the perfect stay at home mom. So it's like, I don't know, as a woman, it's tough. It's like, you can work and have it all and not really be there all day for your kid, or you could be there all day for your kid. And then like, what about your career? So I'm really trying to find that balance. It's like a huge, it's brand new struggle for me that yeah. I'm trying to figure out. You know, out. like I was raised in Cleveland by a, a single mom yeah. who was an accountant. And she also had like other, she also like worked at a bar when she needed to yeah. as a bartender. Yeah. Uh, and I was, you know, going to daycare. I was, you know, always going to somewhere else after school. And there was no question of like, is this right or not? You know, like right. working or not working. My mom had to work. Yeah. It was like, she's got to do it so that we can eat. Mm-hmm. And I would say that there's hard things about that for sure. But the fact that I got to see my mom provide for me mm. and that she, I felt like I was always taken care of and loved. And I knew that when she came home from work or picked me up, mm. that the the hug that I got from her and the smile was Aww. so important yeah. and, and it was special. So, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think that kids respect when you're working and especially can see that it's for them. Yeah. You know? Well, that makes me, you know, honestly, that makes me feel good to hear. It really makes me feel good to hear that because, you know, my mom didn't work mm-hmm. and uh, she was an incredible mom, but she yeah. wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And I love being a mom, Yeah, but I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Like, cause I, I do love working. Like, yes. and I don't know. I love working. I love bringing in an income. Um, we're a dual income household. It's mm-hmm. not like one of us is right. carrying the other. Yeah. So, um, and so I, I don't know. That's what I hope for when I have to say goodbye to Gracie or when I, to go to an audition or when I bring her to my auditions, Yeah. which sometimes I'm like, call child protective services. I'm leaving you outside the door while <laughs> I go. But, into but especially audition. like, like at a commercial audition <laughs> yeah. or something that can be a lot faster. Super fast. Yeah. There's like fun. a whole community of actors outside. They're like, yes, I'll watch her for the 10 seconds you go in. Absolutely. That audition, Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Cause there are so many of, of the actresses that you're, going in mm-hmm. against these parts are also moms right. probably bringing their kids as well. Well, especially since I've played mom since I was 26. So that's <laughs> like my like forte, I guess. Right. So yeah, I'm surrounded by other women yeah. who play moms who are now moms. So yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about the commercial world because okay. you've had such great <clears throat> success in, in commercials and it's such a specific part of yeah. our industry. Yeah. How did you get started and what is the difference in in that world compared to everything else audition-wise and work? Well, you know, I never it's not like I ever dreamed about being a commercial actor. It's um I didn't even know how you got into it, you know, when I first yeah. started, especially in LA. And uh but I I did Growlings. I was in the Sunday company and we had a showcase and a bunch of agents came including a commercial agent and I knew that other people in LA at that point, I had known that like, oh, people are like making money yes, yes. doing commercials. Especially and, from the Groundlings. There's such a yeah. huge amount of Groundlings who are making a lot of money. I mean, Stephanie Courtney, who's Flo. Yeah. Like is. Yeah. And Jim Cashman, who's yes. Jamie on the, the same commercials. Yes. I think, yes. Right. Yep. I think that's his character. Yep. His name's Jamie. Yep. Jamie. Yeah. He's doing great. And, uh. Um, anyway, so I got this commercial agent and I was stoked. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I want to, that would be a great way to make money. And you're, you know, 
anyways, it was a world I wanted to explore. So I started going on these auditions and, um, I quickly realized that it's like, it is kind of a different world. Yeah. It's, First of all, it's a numbers game because they bring in you a lot of people, oh and they re- and and uh, and I remember when I first my first audition, I asked my friend who was like acting as a commercial actor, like, oh, should I get there early? Should I get there like, what if I got there like a half hour early and just looked at the sides and rehearsed? And she was like, um, you could go early if you want, but it's not. That's not really how yeah. it works. And I realized like when I got there, like, oh, you get the script when you get there. They bring everyone in a group to do like a group explanation yeah. of what to do. Yeah. And then you do it and it's like 10 seconds long and then you leave. I mean, yeah. sometimes more than that. But, um, and doing <clears throat> what, you know, quote unquote, what you have to do mm-hmm. is so weird sometimes. Like, I, so weird. I remember once I had to like wave an imaginary <laughs> flag. Yeah. Once I, you know, was sit on this chair and pretend you're driving, then look over your shoulder, smile. And look back uh-huh. and then think about your life. You know, like, right. like very weird. Very strange. Oh, yeah. A lot of times you'll audition with no dialogue. Yeah. Which I, to be fair, rarely, if ever, book because I'm the type of person, I don't look like, I don't, I, I'm like a character type of person. So I feel like you'll always find someone who's like, looks more like a mom or people who are more character looking than me. So I feel like I book if you give me dialogue to say. Right. Well, um, be funny and, and, Use your ass out of being yeah. hilarious. Well, I feel like I could, uh, <laughs> you know, do that. But um, so whenever it's the ones where they're like, oh, take a bite of this and smile. I'm like, oh, well, I'm not going to fucking get this. In fact, I was up for this job. It was um, Yo Play job, I think. And they, I was on a veil. And then they were like, we want, they want to bring you back for a third callback, which is, that's rare. Hmm. It, usually it's you audition, then you have the callback. Uh-huh. And then you book it or you don't. Or you're right. on a veil and then you book it or you don't. When you're on a veil, that means you're avail your you have to like say that you can do it if they yes. hire you. Yeah, or you're on hold for the dates. And usually okay. it's between you and like one or a couple other people. Okay. And so they brought us back and they ju- it was between me and one other girl and they just wanted us to bite the, the take like take a spoonful of the yogurt, take a bite and then smile. And I totally I just can't take a bite and smile. I don't know. I'm yeah. not like it's not I don't right. know why I can't do it. I mean, I can do it, but it looks crazy. It looks Ooh. totally crazy. So this girl is very natural, so she got it. But anyways, so um, yeah, they have you do really crazy weird things. Um, but in LA, what's important is that they really like want you to have, at least for what I go out for, I go out for like uh, moms and like comedy stuff. Yeah. Um, so I can't tell you like what it's like to go out for like a depression commercial because that's not um, like my, for- I don't right, go right, out right, for right. like those um, but, uh, they really want you to have comedy improv, um, background really? and they're not technically allowed to say improvise with, th- with SAG rules, I see. but they want to see 95% they want to have yeah, the time. They want you to, to, to improvise it, which, and a lot of that time of the time that makes it into the actual commercial. Yeah. Like, I've improvised a lot of stuff that has made it into the commercial, and I don't get paid to right. be a writer. Yeah. It's super shady, yeah. but it is what you have to do to book the job, right. you know? And so I'm happy to do it if I get those checks. I mean, it sounds right. so, like, what I, like harsh, but... Yeah, but if you're getting a national commercial and it's, you know, they and want it's you to... funny and it's what you came up with. Yeah, or they want you to, like, 
do a button and then they keep that button then great right you know right yeah yeah but you know there are people who are getting paid a lot of money to write this 15 second spot yes and a lot you're writing half of it basically basically. yeah or a lot of the time it'll just be the 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 script will just be like not good right and they'll say oh make it your own which is code that's code for improvise please make this work yes and uh so a lot of the time you just, you've got, and I don't know, you just got to bring it. So you have a sh- very short period of time mm. to bring something to the table. Right. So it's great because it, it, it's, um, it's got me out of my head in a way. Cause it's sure. like where it's like, A, it's a numbers game. You just have to do like audition a ton. Yeah. But B, um, I don't know, just like throw something at the wall and see if it sticks and make, cho- make choices like big choices Yeah. in a short period of time and. I don't know. I'm, does this make sense? It does I feel make like sense. I'm, no, I'm literally listening to you and trying to take notes because I've had zero luck with any commercials. But you have ever. barely. You haven't even. You if you auditioned, you would definitely. But, book, it, but, but you're not going out. I I mean, I'm available. <laughs> I'm on avail for the audition. Okay. 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 Like, I'm ready to go. I think maybe they think you don't need to audition for commercials. Right? I like, need it. I need okay, it. I, okay. Well, okay. Well, like this is the thing is that like from all the stuff that we've been talking about, mm-hmm. I just did. A TV show this summer. Yeah, I'm unemployed. I I I have no work lined up. Well, do you have a commercial agent? Yes. Why don't you talk to them? And they, I mean, if if you go out, you will book Rory. I mean, that you will. Well, we'll see. I mean, I've I've, I've been. <laughs> it's funny because it's such a it's such a um, a mystery of this the, this business that and voiceover which yeah, you've voice- also done as well. I've done it, but it's still a mystery. One. It is. I mean, it is crazy. It's hard to break into yeah, voiceover it is. because so many people are reused because you aren't seeing yeah. their face. You can just, they can make a different voice and yeah. you know, it makes sense if they find somebody that they like, they just keep using them in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. But commercials are definitely their own beast. Thing, their yeah. own beast. I mean, yeah, there are people that only do commercials yeah. and that are very talented that Absolutely. I know who have been like, you know what? I just, I just do commercials and they're making great money. Yes. And at least in the, the spots that I've been lucky enough to do, because I only really go out for comedy stuff, I've gotten to work with like great directors who direct other things like, yeah. um, and encourage improv and, I've gotten to work with like some other incredible comedy actors, you know, like other yeah. groundlings and stuff like that. And so yeah. the 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 shoot day is really fun, right? And it's really it's usually like one shoot day, yeah. And then you, I mean, you know, with residuals, you get money in the mail coming. Yeah. And if your commercial runs for a year, two years, three years, you're getting that money from that one day. Right. I hate to keep talking about money. Can you see where my mind is right now? Now that I have but a daughter, I'm yeah. like, okay, I've got to think of this as like it's, business. That's right what now. this is all about. Yeah. Is that people need to remember that this is, uh, this podcast is called living the dream. Right. Not, you know, like being in fantasy. It's all world. a dream. It's right. Right. How do you live? Yeah. How yeah. do you feed yourself? And commercials are a great way to do that. And they can also be, very rewarding because there are a lot of great artists not just in them Mm -hmm. but as you said directing them and writing and like as a part of that world a lot of talent and yeah no there there absolutely is and like and and you know if that could be my day job for however long great do you know what i mean like it can afford me to go to acting class it could pay for me to do, to write, a, do a two-person show at, at the Comedy Central stage that I'm not going to get paid for, right. but I could, I could do it, you yeah. know, and or right. you know what I mean. Yes, this is ways yeah. to supplement your income yeah. to let you do 
other things that if you know if you were working in a restaurant or uh, you know it, it, it takes even more time more away time from away. Yeah. exactly no no it's it's fantastic and I'm so glad to get some insight into it because yeah. I have not cracked that nut. Well, if you auditioned for one commercial, you would book it, Rory. I, no, you would, I, have, I'm telling I, you. I have. I have definitely auditioned okay. for commercials, but it's it, I've it's never goes well. Well, we'll talk. We'll, we'll talk, talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk, talk more. about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, another aspect of something that we talk about a lot on this podcast yeah. is body image. Yeah, and especially with women, the fact that women are put through so much in this business, mm. and they're body image is just such a it's it's such a hard part of of uh what they have to go through how have you dealt with your body image and and your feelings around that like i have such a hard time talking about it too if i have a hard time talking about it to you like it's it's difficult to discuss it is no it is i'm not well i'm laughing because i'm like how much time do you have because i have a, <laughs> my story is long okay i won't i won't get into the long version but i you know i'm someone who i've been uh vocal about this that i have recovery from an eating disorder mm-hmm. i have 15 years um 15 and a half years of recovery um and so I mean, I was in it like yeah. big time. I think a lot of that stemmed from um, just not the business. Like, I think I just would have had an eating disorder, regardless. Just that's how what, what that was like my life experience. But um, but being a dancer, especially a dancer, was like a huge um, part of it. Right. You know, growing up in front of the mirror, and I was a fat kid, and mm-hmm. I was told when I was younger um, by many people, including my family, that mm-hmm. it's not okay to be fat, especially as a woman. It wasn't okay to be fat. Mm-hmm. So that stuck with me. And um, anyways, I was lucky enough to find recovery through um, therapy and going to like different 12-step meetings for uh, my industry. I was like, I was a anorexic, um, compulsive over-exerciser, which being a dancer really helped like that like it was like accepted to like be in dance class all day long and then go to the gym um but so anyways after i started to string some years together of like just recovery from the eating disorder i really started to begin to start to learn to like love myself and my body um i mean it's still something to to this day that i'll have moments of like oh i want to go on a diet or oh my god like this why am I as skinny as this girl or whatever and thank god thanks to the work I've done to help myself I can pull out of that um and also some just getting older I feel like is kind of great because you just don't really give a fuck as much anymore right and um and also this other career I've had not as not as a musical theater dancer person is I'm more of a character actor I'm grateful for that because I can be honestly I could be whatever shit. They're not looking at me for my, honestly, for like my tits and my body. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. that's never. I mean, that's how I feel. At. Like I'm <laughs> so grateful that I'm not a leading man. I mean, that's Especially tough. as being gay is that it's like Ugh. you aren't being put under that microscope and having to be a certain thing. That's I hard. can just try to make people laugh. and Exactly. In fact, I mean, I've used like my gut in like on stage for different things to get a laugh yeah. you know what i mean and how, does, um, how is that an empowering thing very i mean for what you've been through very yeah very 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 empowering and the more i do it the more i want to do it you know like which is right. why like i love like 
this is so cliche, but like I love Lena Dunham, like for yeah. just being butt ass naked yeah. on screen. Um, when I see that and other women do that, it reminds me and it to accept myself and it helps me accept myself more. I think the more we see that on screen, right. the more we see real people on screen, yeah. the more uh it's gonna it's it's gonna help us as a like Absolutely. society, especially women. Right. You know, and now that I have a daughter, two year old daughter, like a big goal of mine is um I mean, obviously like her path is her path and like mm. I it's I mean, I know society and just being a woman, she's gonna hear all sorts of comments about her body and what's acceptable and what she should be. But at home, I'm trying to create an environment of like total acceptance and we don't talk about our bodies that way. Um, like if I ever talk about her body, I say, Oh my God, your legs are so strong for running or, um, uh, don't you love your brain? You have such a great like brain. You're so smart, yeah. you know? And, um, but I've made it a rule in our household. Where we don't like talk about diets. We don't talk about right. good food or bad food. Yeah. And we only talk about our body in positive ways, yeah. which is hard. Cause like every now and then I'll want to say like, look at this or that. And I have to like, remember, like I'll talk shit about my body right. and I stop and like make, you know, I think about her. I make sure I'm never going to say stuff like that in front of her. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's hard. It is hard. It's you have so to hard. start respecting yourself in a mm-hmm. new way out loud. Yes. Because she's listening. She's listening to everything. Yeah. You, it's like you have to act in the way that you want her to act and yeah. the way and, and take care of yourself and tr- and talk to yourself mm-hmm. in the way that you want her to talk to herself. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean this is like a whole conversation. This is like a huge long conversation, mm-hmm. but um but I hope that things are changing. I feel like things are changing in in, in the business. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In terms of like accepting women's bodies, but it's still hard like when I go to a fitting, you know, it's like uh for even it's just for a commercial I'm playing as mom. Like they're not even looking at my body. Right. Still like I'll be like, "Oh god. How do I look in these pants?" or like, "Ooh, what size?" Especially after having a baby cuz I gained 40 pounds after having or when I was pregnant and then it took a year and a half for my body to kind of go back to where it was. Um so when I booked jobs, when I was like going back to the size I am now, right. I had to be like, "This is the size I am now." And it was kind of uncomfortable at times because like mm-hmm. in a fitting you're putting on the outfit they're like parading you in front of the client in front of the director staring yeah. at you up yeah, and yeah. down i mean you know yeah and um so I, that can be difficult it can be tough still after all the years absolutely. of work i've done on myself because it's you are hard. putting yourself out and we are constantly putting ourselves out there to be looked at mm-hmm. prodded and poked mm-hmm. in, in especially in in the designer, the costume designer, yeah. fitting rooms. But I, I have to say, since we are a podcast and people aren't looking at you right now, yeah. you are, and I'm not looking for, for a reaction, or <laughs> okay. you are a very petite woman. You are okay. very, you are very skinny. You know what I mean? Not, not in the terms of, I, I know we don't want to put labels on yeah. that, but what I'm trying to say is, is that it's not as if you have a weight issue and you are well now yes you know what I mean? but yes but but you are just incredibly healthy looking oh, and so i yeah. guess what i'm trying to say is you know we're not here saying like oh you have have some weight issue and you're trying to be accepted like you are a, a completely healthy woman i am no you know what and i am but it's like it doesn't matter because in la if you're in a mindset of like if you're in this in a mindset, I can always find someone who's skinnier, tighter, 
like right but has looks but you know it looks a killer in a bikini there's always that person so if you get into like a comparing mindset which is what i think i definitely was in especially when i was like in my eating disorder it's it's crazy. I mean, in LA, there's always someone younger, skinnier, absolutely, <laughs> like, yeah, prettier. Mm-hmm. So it's um, I don't know. It's all about. It's so cliche, but honestly, accepting yourself, self acceptance. Yeah, you know, and and I only got here to where I am because in terms of whatever whatever weight I am, in accepting where right. I'm at. I mean, I didn't diet from having a baby till now. I I didn't diet afterwards. I just it took a year and a half. Just right. you know, I don't know. It's um through self-care and self-love kind of, yeah. you know? Well, I think that it's, especially as someone like you who is a writer, it's important, and I, whenever we talk about this, I bring this up, that we are storytellers mm-hmm. and we have to tell the stories of every body type. The yeah. stories of everyone, because there isn't just one kind of person that deserves to have their story told. I know. We all deserve to have our story told and we represent the rest of humanity. So it's okay. Whatever body type we are yeah. is worthy of being in a story. I know. Look, I'm excited to be, you know, I want to tell my story about having itty bitty titties, <laughs> <laughs> having like stretch marks all over my gut after having a baby, right. cellulite. You know, I mean, that's what it is to be a mom now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and I do, I, that is, I want to tell that story. I would love to shoot something where I'm just like, Actually, it's it really it would be really exciting to shoot something that towards like warts and all to where right. I just you know again yeah. I keep going back to Lena Dunham just like yeah let's put it all out there I yeah. just think it's so brave and it's like needed yes and it it definitely like encourages everyone else to be them their true selves yeah and it's what I want my real. daughter to see you know yeah. what I mean because like maybe not girls not not girls yet yet but... although that is definitely on the list oh, yes. for when she's yes. eighteen or however yes. old yes. but um. But yeah, um, I don't know. I would. I really just wanted to see all kinds of body types out there. Well, I think that you helped me have a, a better understanding of how to have a conversation with myself about my body, mm-hmm. and that we were be, being we started becoming friends out here in Los Angeles when you were going through all of that, yeah. And you were learning how to treat yourself better and have a better dialogue with yourself, yeah. And I think in turn you were giving that to me and other people around you. And I think that mm. was very, very helpful. At a time, you know, like I've been told to lose weight many, many times by people in this industry. Ugh, and so, so um, you know, that's, it's... It's the only industry where they can tell you that, Right, by the way. yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. sounds yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, you know, it hasn't happened in a long time because yeah. I've embraced exactly what kind of body type I am. Yeah. And I think that the more that you do that and the more confident you are about... <sighs> who you are physically, the more people can see you in those stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but you helped me get through, c- come to that realization to, to find that, you know, and it, yeah. it's not like we had some like sit down, steep, come yeah, to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really about acting in a way that is a good example for others yeah. without even realizing what you're giving to people. And I think that mm. you have been that um, for a lot of people uh, mm. around you and, um. and for a lot of women and, and for me, the, the chubby gay from Cleveland. Oh my so. God, stop it. 
Um, so I love that. Oh, thanks, Roar. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate you talking about that because it's not easy and, you know, it's something that everyone in our industry deals with. Everyone. But. Well, and I'm happy, again, I'm happy to talk to anyone. Follow me on Instagram. Slide into my DMs. Yes. I'm serious. Like, I'm happy. What is I your want, Instagram handle? Uh, well, I have one. Uh, Crosbylicious is one. And then I have a more, like, mom comedy-based one called yeah. Cluster Feed. Uh, so either either one, please. I'm happy. Like, I love talking to people about this. And, yes. And especially other women and other women in the industry and stuff. So. Well, I... Um You've meant a lot to me. Your friendship means a lot to me. Your friendship means so much to me. And I just I, wait before we wrap up. Yeah. I just have to say, when I saw Rory in Book of Mormon, because that was your first Broadway show, and uh-huh. we, Mark and I flew, that's my husband, flew right. to New York before I had a baby, flew to New York to watch you in it. And I cried for the whole thing. And then I, and then when we went backstage, I cried some more. I cried like a baby, Rory. Like it was so special to me to see you up there because I remember that first day I saw you at Carnegie Mellon yeah. and like you were living your dream, everyone's dream and your dream. I mean, this is like the biggest thing yeah. ever. And I had known, I knew what you would like overcome to get there. And I don't know. It was like, I don't know. You're only like four years younger than me, but it was like seeing my son like be on stage. <laughs> so silly, but like, I don't know. It was, that was one moment in my life. I will, I will never forget and it was very inspiring and I'm just I don't know so proud of you Rory like I'm always proud of you but um yeah I don't well, know, I'm rambling I'm no, rambling like means, I am your mother Rory no, it means so much <laughs> to me because you know the those years I've said this so many times from 22 to 25 were the hardest mm-hmm. time in my life and I definitely wouldn't have gotten through them if it wasn't for you and well, you would have, but we would, we would have had a different. Not and I wouldn't with have as many laughs. You. Well, we that's really, true. You, no one made me laugh more throughout those years than you. And oh. and I'm just so grateful <laughs> that you know we've been able to stay friends, and you me continue too. to inspire me. I hope to have kids one day, and what you and your husband have done to be artists still, and to uh, raise this beautiful young baby. Um, I just, that's, that's, that's living the dream. Yeah. That is, is, you know, like the thing that I just really was like, oh, I want to be an actor, but I really hope I get to have a family. Like, how do they, how do you do that? Well, I'm excited for it to happen for you because you're going to be an incredible father, you and Gerald. Incredible. I can't wait. Um, Thank you for doing this. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. Yeah. All right. Love you. Okay. Love you too. Audition, side job, swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.